is not being televised, but it is being digitized right here on Digital Village. On 90.7 FM KPFK. I'm Rick Allen. And I'm Brittany Gallagher. On Digital Village, we're bringing you stories about the internet and technology and how they're shaping culture and changing every aspect of our lives. How it's glorious and awe-inspiring, but can also have a dark side. And maybe how we can prevent some of its abuses. The coronavirus has devastated a lot of industries, but live music has been hit especially hard. In this episode, we have two stories about the industry's struggle. Stage Presence, they're a group of friends who started a company to help their artist friends in the Bay Area get gigs on Zoom. Stage Presence was a bit of a reaction to COVID, obviously. All of our artist friends and friends who throw events were all suddenly without any gigs and any sign of work for many months to come. It just so happened that I got laid off at the beginning of this. I was working in HR at a startup before. So I had a lot of time on my hands and a friend of ours reached out to say like, hey, this seems like a good idea. And we're like, it does seem like a good idea. Maybe we could get our friends some gigs and also help liven up some people's Zoom calls. More with stage presence in the second half of the show. But it's more than just musicians and the artists that are struggling. It takes an army to throw a show. A View from the Outsides, Joanna Miller has the story. Welcome to A View from the Outside, a segment where we hear from diverse voices in tech. I'm your host, Joanna Miller. The entertainment industry has been one of the hardest hit by COVID-19 closures. Musicians, Venues and the folks behind the scenes that make the experiences come to life have all been impacted by the travel restrictions and mandatory shutdowns. Today, my guest, Alyssa Solomon, will give us an intimate look into how the live music industry is coping. Hi, this is Alyssa Solomon. I am a touring professional in the live music industry. I've worked with FKA Twigs, Dispatch, Simmel, Eels, Mark Lanigan, And what does a touring professional really mean? Typically, I'm either a tour manager or an assistant tour manager for larger tours. Essentially, I deal with a lot of logistics around basic needs for everyone in the band and the crew. Food, laundry, sleeping arrangements, transportation. It's just a lot of moving parts, and I feel like logistics are kind of my jam, so it works out well for me. Take us back in time a little. What were you doing the last two weeks of February? In February, I was on tour with a band called Simmel. Everything was really smooth. There were some talks about COVID, but we didn't change anything. The first I heard of it, we're talking about bringing hand sanitizer to the merch booth so that if he signed any records or took pictures with people, we could then spray the hand sanitizer (laughs) like immediately after. But it didn't really affect us until almost mid-March. And then it was kind of this overnight shift in the world, really. I think that was March 11th or 12th. And by the 13th, we were all off tour. We had a show in Detroit on the 11th. And that night, there was a lot in the news. Trump had just announced a ban on travel coming into the US from Europe. The next day, we were in Chicago And in the morning, I got a call from the manager telling me to send the crew home, send the band home, send the bus away, ship the gear, 
and everyone was going to get off tour. I remember we sat down for lunch and it was really sad because it, it felt anticlimactic to be saying goodbye and to be ending tour without the typical tour rituals that we would have, like having a cake, which is how I always love ending tour, or going out to celebrate the last show or even doing a tour photo. None of that was able to happen because it was just a, such a quick, all right, everyone, we're leaving. It's been hard to talk about touring because there are still so many unknowns. So much has shifted for people who tour full-time. What do you mean by that when you say so much has shifted? For people who tour full-time, so much of your life is dependent on being on the road. Your livelihood, your friendships, your relationships, your living situation, your hobbies even. Cancellations due to COVID-19 have stripped so much of that away. And I think it's forced a lot of us to reevaluate our self-identities even. And on top of living through a global pandemic, that's pretty stressful. <laughs> My plans from mid-March through October were just cleared away within about a week. And that was four different tours got canceled and a lot of one-off festivals that I had. A bummer is an understatement. <laughs> I'm curious, what conversations, innovations, or bootstrap things have you been seeing in the industry? And have any of those things leveraged technology in interesting ways? Everyone is sitting in place somewhere and wanting to connect with people. So there have been some amazing webinars that have started. There's a series right now that I'm following called Tour Management 101, and it's the best of the best coming together and sharing their skills. They're doing live webinars and then recording them and putting them on YouTube. And while I have downtime, I feel like that's the best way that I can prepare for my next tour or even just the future of my career is to learn from these amazing people. The, the access to learning has definitely increased for me. And I don't really think that it would be this way without COVID. One of the things I've really enjoyed seeing a lot of the artists um, that I love live stream shows, take requests, even DJ battles that have been happening on Instagram. Yeah, uh, I'm curious, what things have you seen personally that maybe have been exciting to see bring some of that experience of the live event into a digital realm? Musicians have been really generous with their time and with their skills during this time. Most of these live streams aren't bringing in an income. So, for these musicians to donate their time to entertain people and lift their spirits has been awesome to see. I am really grateful to so many musicians who have been live streaming because I think they're bringing so much joy to people. I think no matter what state of the world is in, we all rely on music in some way or another. Right now, if we can use it to share little glimmers of hope with each other, then that's amazing. But I don't think it's the most sustainable thing for the industry. For the most part, there's not income being generated from it. And some artists are getting burnt out if they've been live streaming since the beginning of quarantine. I don't know how long it will last at this rate. Live Nation just did a pretty interesting survey. They found that a lot of people are, are watching these live streams and getting excited for future live events. It's definitely not replacing live shows. Since there's so much uncertainty about when artists might go back on tour, what predictions do you have about what the live experience might look like? Specifically, have you heard any discussions about online or digital tools or technology-based solutions that might solve for some of the challenges 
or alleviate some of the revenue issues. Ticketing sites are starting to plan out how to seat venues so that you can maintain social distance. So I think that's going to be a way that technology is utilized. How that's going to work out in reality is beyond me. I think it's going to be a lot harder to implement in live settings. Even people just finding their seats, (laughs) it's going to be weird. For some of these venues, being able to maintain social distance and making a profit, it's just going to be impossible. I don't think every venue is going to be able to set up a model and be like, okay, if we have one person here and one person there, three people back here, okay, that should work. Because to open a club back up and only have like 20 people in it, for a lot of clubs, won't be viable. For some of these arenas, I think it will be a little bit more realistic, at least the possibility of seating people far enough away from each other. Let's imagine a world in which we do have a predominantly online or virtual live music experience for some period in the future. What would need to be considered for crew and technical members um, to really still be part of the industry? There's a good example of this for St. Patrick's Day. The Dropkick Murphys did a live stream where they were socially distanced from their crew and other band members, but they were doing a show and they were recording it live in a studio. They had full production there. I mean, they had all the lighting that they would do for a normal show. They had professional sound engineers mixing the show live. That was one of the first live streams that I saw, and I was really impressed by the production value. I wish there was a way where crew could digitally be really involved in these live streams, but unless you're pre-recording the audio, it's really hard. Some bands, if they're going to be doing a special event online, they'll pre-record and then send it out to be mixed and then be able to have what feels like a live recording, but the production value is higher because they've had an engineer looking at it and tweaking it, and then they can put it out and have it sound really nice. All these things that go into live shows and live touring, they really don't have a substitute digitally, which is kind of scary because I think we are in a very digital world right now, and I think it's going to remain this way for quite a while. There is an army of unemployed people right now. (laughs) If there is a digital solution, I would love to hear about it. (laughs) What do you miss most about your life prior to COVID? I miss touring. I miss my friends. I miss supporting artists and I miss traveling. I've had dreams of just like the most mundane touring experiences. Like the other night I dreamt that I was in a tour bus crossing the Canadian border and I was giving border control my passport. I woke up and I was like, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen for a while. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that from other touring friends too, where they're having these dreams where they're traveling or touring and then they wake up and they're kind of shocked by the state of their real reality. There are some aspects of touring that will never be the same. What do you mean by that? The Netherlands, for example, just announced that they're not going to be doing big festivals until there's a vaccine. So that really forces this unique relationship between the medical industry and the music industry that hasn't probably been that close of a relationship in the past. (laughs) A lot of festivals are truthfully not the most hygienic places. Just being in a crowd of sweaty people is, you know, is standard for the industry. (laughs) So... So I think that's going to change a lot. As a concert goer, as someone who enjoys live experiences, this has been the most, I think, challenging part for me of the shift from normalcy Mm -hmm. of the things that I used to enjoy and the way that I used to spend my time with friends. And so my heart goes out to the community and I'm eager to get back out there and be in that sweaty crowd of people and also potentially buy a mask at the merch table. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? 
for a festival or for a big show, there are hundreds upon hundreds of people working behind the scenes that you'll never see. So for touring people, a lot of us are probably asking ourselves, I'm definitely asking myself, how do I adjust to being set in one place when I didn't think I'd be still like this for years? How do I prepare for my next tour when there's so much uncertainty around the state of the live music industry in the future? It's a bit tough to be optimistic that we'll return to some sense of normalcy soon, especially when touring relies on the two things that will likely be discouraged for a while, travel and gathering crowds of people together. Is there anything that you're doing for your own self-care? Every Sunday I get together with women who are also in the touring industry and we talk about everything except music. Those Sunday FaceTimes have been so crucial in having some sense of normalcy with the people that I love to tour with, but um, trying to avoid the topic that we're all struggling with. Alyssa, thank you so much for speaking with me today and giving us an inside look into how COVID-19 is impacting the touring industry. We really hope that things get back to normal soon. This has been Joanna Miller with A View From The Outside. Until next time. Joanna for giving us a view from the outside. Let's remind everyone that you're listening to Digital Village on 90.7 FM KPFK. I'm Brittany Gallagher. KPFK is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, as it has been for the last 60 plus years. And Digital Village, as part of the KPFK family for over a third of that time, has been bringing you the cyber news stories and in-depth interviews you won't hear anywhere else to help you navigate the latest in digital technology. Including the information needed to help you guarantee fair voting, keep the internet neutral, and protect yourself online, especially during these challenging times. Because of the recent unexpected circumstances dictated by the coronavirus, we at KPFK have postponed our traditional fund drive. However, the cost to produce the service you have depended on for so long still remains. So please take the important step of giving a gift to help KPFK continue to bring you today, as always, not only information, news and culture, but also the sense of solace, joy, relief and community you've come to expect from us. You can donate right now to keep this glorious, independent, listener sponsored radio flourishing by going to kpfk.org forward slash pledge, where you will find a list of ways to do so. You can then make your pledge right from the page or by calling 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Thanks again. Up next, we continue talking about live events in the post-COVID-19 world. But the folks at Stage Presence are offering a bit of hope. I'm joined by... Hello, I'm Corinne Oplinger. I'm the head of talent at Stage Presence. My name's Ellis Briery, and I'm the head of bookings here at Stage Presence. I'm Misha Steiner. I am the CEO of Stage Presence. Welcome to Digital Village. Why did you all start Stage Presence? It was a bit of a reaction to... COVID, obviously, all of our artist friends and friends who throw events were all suddenly without any gigs and any sign of work for many months to come. It just so happened that I got laid off at the beginning of this. I was working in HR at a startup before. 
so I had a lot of time on my hands and a friend of ours reached out to say like, hey, this seems like a good idea. And we're like, it does seem like a good idea. Maybe we could get our friends some gigs and also help liven up some people's Zoom calls. And it kind of snowballed from there. We were pretty scared that the art scene was was going to be killed by this and that all these people were just not going to be able to find work and would either need to leave or be in a, a very difficult position. And so we created this company at first to help our artist friends stay afloat because we were watching our friends not have any income anymore and start debating leaving the Bay Area. And without what makes the Bay Area so special, the companies won't want to be here either. And so creating an opportunity for the companies that have the resources to support this artistic culture so that their employees want to stay in the Bay Area. And so they have a reason to continue being based in San Francisco and the Bay was the major reason that we started this. Corinne, what types of artists is Stage Presence helping? We have many musicians. We have a lot of singer-songwriters. We have people that plays violin and sings. We have people that play cello and do looping cello loops. We also have aerialists. We have some aerialists who have aerial rigs in their homes, which has been really wonderful. People that have a whole setup so they can do their whole show. Others who have smaller setups like a hand balancing canes. We have some magicians and they do a sleight of hand, mentalism, we also have DJs and we have, we have a graphical visual artist on the roster. We're getting more applications every day too. It's, it's pretty exciting. So I expect to branch out from those types of artists in the near future. Are you purely in the Bay Area for artists or are you outside of the Bay Area as well? Most of them are located in the Bay right now. That was our, our original focus. But we now have folks who are in L.A. We have folks um, in Boston, some in New York, Colorado. We have someone who was based in Australia and now is here. So we, we're getting a, a pretty wide spread. Zoom obviously wasn't built you know, with performance in mind. So how, how are you guys working around this? That's definitely been a large part of how I've spent the past few weeks coming up with solutions We're fortunate that Zoom has some audio settings that you can toggle off. You're able to turn off the software that they have running to filter out background noise and to get rid of echo. So you can have the performer's original sound coming through. So that's been great. We also, we have folks who perform to music, like aerialists who have music playing. And so finding a way for them to have their music come through and have it be fairly high quality, that that was tricky as well. It turns out Zoom lets you share just your audio with the participants in the Zoom call. It's still not quite built for audio quality, but it's much better than playing a speaker up next to the right. subject to your laptop. With regards to booking, Ellis, how does that work? Typically you'd reach out through our website, spresence.com, and uh, that goes straight to me. And I reach out for some time to get you on the phone and talk about what, what kinds of things that we have, what, what a typical act look like, looks like, and what, what pricing options look like, and the different kinds of performers that we have. Then hear a little bit about what, what you're looking for. Do you want something for a regular event? Do you just want a one-off? Do you want a bespoke variety show? And lo- look at the performers that we have, ask a little bit about company culture and vibe that you're going for, and see who we have that lines up best with that. 
and then shoot you over a couple samples of whether that's audio samples from musicians or videos of aerialists or, or whatever kind of performance you want to send that over for you to be able to see what, what options I think would be best for you. you. You can pick out what you want from there. Ellis, what are the types of meetings that Stage Presence has helped liven up? It's really all over the map. I, I think the most common one is a, a five to 10 minute performance to lead off a stand up and uh, you know, get some energy in the meeting and to get, get things going. We've had uh, companies that want just a, a full variety show that's six or seven or eight artists over the course of an hour that each did a couple different performances. There's also a little bit more interactive, like we what we call a, a virtual bartender, where you have somebody that has some some more interactive things that they do, like doing Mad Libs and then improv singing the the Mad Libs with the team or, or something like that. It's generally about an hour long. But that five to 10 minutes at the beginning of a company meeting is definitely the most popular option. Misha, what does stage presence look like post-quarantine? I think post-quarantine remote work culture will look a lot different than it does right now. We're already starting to see major companies tell their employees that they don't have to come back in the office even when quarantine is over. And so I think that maintaining a remote workforce and boosting the morale of that workforce will be an ongoing thing for many years to come. I think that COVID was a sea change in a number of different ways, but one of those ways is how you manage a workforce and whether that workforce actually all has to be in the same place at the same time. Companies are used to doing happy hours and picking up the bar tab to maintain morale of their employees, and that's not really an option in a remote workforce. So there is one section of stage presence that will probably continue doing these remote performances even after quarantine, because remote work is not going to disappear after quarantine. That being said, there is a whole other aspect of these kind of performances that is the more traditional in-person performance. And I imagine that stage presence will in fact start doing more in-person performances as well once quarantine is over. The pre-COVID world, I ran an events company that is currently mostly on hiatus because the quarantine, but I did a lot of the music booking for our events. There is a lot of friction in the way that current music booking works. There is no centralized way. It's all individual small agencies and varies hugely based on the agent, whether that process is easy or whether that process can draw out for months to get a single performer to come play a show. Yeah, it seems like if you can streamline that process, that's great for the post-COVID world. I definitely have big hopes and dreams for stage presence. I think that if we're able to maintain doing the virtual bookings post-COVID, as well as if we can solve the sort of centralized booking agency that's easy to use, tech forward, frictionless, and also maintains the element of human curation that we're doing right now, we could go pretty far. And it's a pretty exciting trajectory. The most important part is the artists. We're out here doing it for them as much as we can. People want to see the showcases of the, the performers that we have. You can go to spresence.com. And there is a sign up there for notifications for when we do showcase concerts. Speaking of showcases, we close out with Wendy and Garani performing in one of Stage Presence's artist showcases. So this next song, it's one of my favorite. It's a song from an Australian rock band. 
again, back in the 80s. And it's、uh, basically telling someone who's still pretty young, I guess, saying that、um, I don't feel like working ever. <laughs> This is called work. We were listening to Wendy and Garani performing in one of Stage Presence's artist showcases. If you want to hear some performances or find out more about Stage Presence, go to spresence.com. Companies like Stage Presence that are born out of this crisis and that are helping make this time a little bit more artistically beautiful, while also helping the art community, are really a ray of sunshine during this time. We can still stay connected through art. And though we cannot experience it in the same way we used to, we can still watch an online performance or virtually visit galleries and museums. And yeah, it may not be the same, but it is better than nothing. And I look forward to the next time I get to be at a live performance, whenever that may be. That's it for Digital Village. We'll get through this. I'm Brittany Gallagher at In a Quantum World. You can hear this episode again by subscribing to our podcast or going to kpfk.org, clicking audio archives, and searching for Digital Village. You can also find us on all things social using at digitalvradio or at digitalvillage.org. A special thank you to A View from the Outside's Joanna Miller. And we need your support now more than ever. You can donate now and keep glorious, independent, listener sponsored radio going at kpfk. Just go to kpfk.org. Forward slash pledge. Thanks for listening to Digital Village. I'm Rick Allen, and we'll, we'll see, see you online. online.